Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. Will Watts from 60! To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. And kind of some interesting tidbits to get to today. We have some NFL player team report cards. Uh, Checking out those graves, some interesting things really came up there, I thought, with the Saints and also other teams. Uh, also, more Derek Carr watch, and we had Alvin Kamara getting his trial set today. So, Jeff, while Combine, you would think, be taking up most of the headlines, there's still some other uh, little Saints tidbits that are that are taking up some of our attention. Yeah, and we we did talk a good bit about the Combine in the last episode. So, if you, if you want to go back to that, we broke down a lot of the tight end position, running back, quarterback, that sort of thing. Um, and the combine technically starts today in terms of the on-field workouts. So, you know, rather than kind of just rehash what we talked about without any real results from what's going on, we're going to get into some different stuff, stuff that's going on at the combine, but isn't technically combine related. And then Monday and Tuesday's episode, we're going to come back and dive a lot more into the combine itself. We're going to talk to Justin Mello from the draft network tomorrow on the show. And we'll bring that into the podcast on Tuesday, the post on Tuesday, Um, But first things first, we do want to talk about what happened with Alvin Kamara today, which is he was in court. It is March 2nd. That's when the date that he was supposed to be in court was. And it actually happened for the first, seemingly first time, whereas this case has been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Finally, he, Chris Lammons, and the other two co-defendants were in court in Las Vegas today and entered their pleas. They both pleaded, all four of them pleaded not guilty. And the trial itself will now occur on July 31st, which if anyone following knows anything about the month of July, that's when training camp starts late in the month. So it's going to be something that takes up a good chunk of camp, assuming it goes to trial and there isn't some sort of deal met 
prior, which I think is probably the goal if you're Alvin Kamara's legal team, is now that it is clear that the indictment came down, the charges will not be dismissed, that you are kind of in blitz mode, pardon the pun, trying to get a deal struck with, with this with this now. And uh, I think what happened in court today, which I'll explain in a second, is a good indicator of that. But it, it is going to be something that we continue to talk about over the next several months. Yeah, just that was the immediate thing to me. Obviously, nothing really huge and groundbreaking today <clears throat> out of Vegas with Camara. But the fact that that date, when, when the date was set, and it's just like, man, that's smack dab at the start of training camp or, at the, you know, the, a couple, a week or two into training camp. Yeah, it's just a sad reminder this isn't going anywhere anytime quickly and that we're going to be in, inundated with more Camara talk coming up uh, leading into the season. And you got to figure, though, that some kind of punishment has to come down, you would imagine, during this regular season after missing it last year. Well, we'll see. We'll see how long it drags out. I imagine it will. One thing to know about the court rules in Las Vegas, and every municipality has their own rules as it pertains to media access. In Las Vegas, which I learned today, video cameras are allowed. It's not something that can happen in New Orleans. You know, if you recall, like the Will Smith case, it was a lot of, you know, reporting coming out of it and and quotes and stuff like that. But there was no video because video cameras are not allowed. Well, in Las Vegas, as I learned today, that is not the case. So we will be able to kind of follow along with this case as it happens. And I think that will be helpful so that there's not as much speculation going on. Like you don't have to infer tone. If you want to f- watch it, you can go watch it. Um, and I did tweet out a link to, to today's process, which is only about eight minutes long. But one thing that happened was you have a right to quote unquote a speedy trial and a date within 60 days of that arraignment if you so choose. They actually waived that. So it could have been earlier, right? And so they asked for a date in July. The only date available in July was July 31st. They had one of his attorneys asked for an earlier July date, and they said they didn't have one, but they could have got it on June 19th. They said, they said no. And so to me, that indicates that there is kind of a needle they're trying to thread here. And it was, okay, we want the maximum amount of time possible to try to figure out a plea deal or in like, a, like an out-of-court agreement, but also not necessarily impact the offseason for Kamara and, and, and Lamons as much as possible. That was, that was not able to be done because they could have, if they just wanted to avoid the training camp issue, which is just going to be an inconvenience for everybody, they could have done it June 19th. They chose not to. So like the maximum amount of time was more important to them than, you know, getting it done early July. But I think that does indicate that they feel like they can get something done because whether it was early July or late July, the fact that they felt like an early July date would have been better to me indicates that they feel like they can get something done prior to that before training camp and they would just have to go and kind of sort it out there. Anyway, I thought that was interesting because they had the option to not have it happen during training camp and they chose to have it happen during training camp. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too just because like you, you mentioned, you had the June date available, but you opted not to go with that. To me, you know, we hear it all the time, whether it's contracts or there's going to be negotiations here trying to get some kind of settlement, uh, you know, deadlines force decisions. So I would think if something was, you know, for the June date that they could have come up with something, a package to get settlement there instead of having more to wait towards closer to training camp because, yeah, I just know it's going to be more of, 
you know, getting shut out from talking to Alvin Kamara because he doesn't want to talk about the ongoing situation kind of thing. I mean, I don't know if he'll even be there. This is going to be a process that, you know, when, when does training camp start? July 27th, 28th, right? Like the, the final week of July in most cases. So, so like, there's a, I wouldn't be surprised if he is not at camp for the first several weeks as this gets sorted out because I don't think he's going to want to show up and then go out to Vegas. And, like, this is a multi-day process. He's probably going to be staying there. So, like, I don't even know if it's going to be an option of him avoiding us. He might not just, just not be there. When we'll probably be avoided is during, if he shows up at minicamp or OTAs or anything like that. Like, mandatory minicamp is in June. And so he's supposed to be there. He was there this year and did not talk to us. So I, you're right. I feel like we will get more of that. But at the same time, it's like, because the rules in Vegas allow such an open courtroom setting. We won't have to ask those questions to get the answers. We'll know them. And I think that's going to be very helpful in this process, but we'll see. Either way, that is a that is a big step in this situation. And it does leave questions to be answered of like the Saints are in Indianapolis right now. How close are they looking at running backs? Leonard Fournette was cut. We can get into that in a little bit. Is he an option to bring in as a veteran to kind of fill that void? But first, I do want to get into the Derek Carr watch. I don't know if it's an update, but the Saints did meet with him again in law in Indianapolis. It sounds very much like they have made their decision. They want to sign him. And probably the only question remaining is, does he choose them? But it, it's it, it is interesting. And I, I it's hard for me to believe the Panthers are an option. But the Jets are the biggest question, in my opinion. I think the Panthers might be just getting involved to sniff around, get familiar with the quarterback, obviously, that they could be facing twice a year. But to me right now, it kind of feels like Carr's waiting on the Jets' decision with Favre, and the Saints are just waiting now to hear what Carr— Did you say Favre? I'm sorry, far. I said far. Yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I apologize. I mean, wow. Really space brain right there. Which is funny, though, because, yeah, obviously Favre did go to the Jets. <laughs> it's like the decade. Like, last episode, you mixed up Sam Bradford and Matt Stafford, and that I can understand. They're two first-round picks. They're, they're not that different. They're pretty close together. Brett Favre has been retired for more than a decade. <laughs> yeah, I started thinking that Green Bay Jets connection. Yeah, I, I completely spaced out about the man in the darkness, Aaron Rodgers. That is fair. He did play for the Packers and the Jets, and they are now talking about that pipeline again anyway uh that is too funny but yeah I, but yeah yeah it just seems like obviously we're waiting on the jets to find out any kind of new dealings with rogers if he's willing to be traded from green bay if he wants out if, if he's forcing his his hand over there and then if he's not then they'll turn to Derek carr where to me the Saints have, like we, you said early on, they've made it pretty clear now, you're our guy. We want to move on with you right now. Let's get this done. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure if they are actually planning for an eventuality where they don't get Derek Carr. And <laughs> that in itself is significant. Like, they, I think they believe they're going to get him. And to me, it's not even a question of whether the Jets get in the game. It's a question of where does Derek Carr choose? I almost called him Derek Char. Um, Derek, Derek Carrizard. Derek Charizard, because yes, the Jets probably could offer more money. If I'm the Saints, I don't know if I can match whatever offer 
the Jets are going to put out there. But I do think I can sell New Orleans and the Saints a bit better than I can sell the Jets as a franchise for a veteran quarterback to show up and be successful, right? Like the Jets, they have a good roster. There's no denying they have a good roster, but they have no track record of being successful with that roster. Zero, none. Don't even start. Like the first, what, seven games of this season, they were, they were good, and they still missed the playoffs easily. This is not a roster that you look at and you're like, man, I can see an immediate path to success there. And that's what Derek Carr should be looking for at this point in his career. He's 31. He's not 27. He can't afford to show up and sit through another two-season rebuild on a team because they think they have the pieces, but they don't know how to win. And so to me, that's, it, that's why I think Derek Carr will ultimately come here and it's just going to be a matter of the Saints give, putting a number out there that he will accept. Because, I mean, let's face like he's been in the league for a decade. I don't think a couple million dollars a year is going to be the difference in terms of, I, I want to go there for $32 million, but they're offering me 34 And it's not as good of a situation, but I'm, I, I'm that desperate for an extra $2 million on my $140 million contract, right? Like, that doesn't seem like it should be the equation. And I don't think from what we've heard from Derek Carr that it will be. No, and to me, that's going to be one of the factors that's going to be interesting to see what happens in the end, too, just because, honestly, even if you throw the Panthers in the, into the mix, what's the best situation for him to win? And to, to me, both obviously reside in the NFC South because we know how terrible the, the division you know was last year. You already have you know Tom Terrific made his exodus. Uh, there's questions about quarterback up and down with every team and right Derek Carr coming in is that solid established veteran that all of a sudden now you look at the Saints as the favorite just because they had that trigger man yeah and I mean one of the reasons that Tom Brady was able to be so prolific for so long and so consistent was that the AFC East was just a clown show for the majority of his career now the AFC East is actually not that right? Like you have the Bills who are going to be a Super Bowl contender every season as long as Josh Allen is there. The Patriots, while they are kind of getting in their own way, are still a competent franchise and it's just a matter of getting their quarterback situation figured out. And then the Dolphins who, you know, if Tua can stay on the field, which that's obviously a big question, they're still a very good roster. They have probably the best wide receiver core in the NFL, or at least they have an argument for it. So like you would be going to a division with a murderer's row of teams, right? So, like, even if you felt like the Jets roster was good enough to win, you might be setting yourself up for a very frustrating three years in terms of, like, you might go 10-6 and six and and be third place in your division, right? Like, look at the Giants in the NFC East. So, that alone is it might be a reason to want to be in the NFC, a much easier road. And then it's just like, okay, if I'm picking between the Panthers and the Saints, that's a much easier choice because I don't think the Panthers are built to win right now. So... Yeah, I, I think that's that's a very good um, point to be made of like at the NFC South itself being as weak as it is, that's probably a selling point. Like we can like there is an easy path to be shown that if like Derek Carr signs with the Saints, suddenly they are the betting favorite <laughs> in the division. And obviously the Falcons could go out and get a Lamar Jackson, right? Who knows? Right, but for right now, right. The Panthers could maybe go trade for Aaron Rodgers or something. I don't know. Sign Jimmy Garoppolo, and then they are more a more competent franchise. But, like, the Bucks are going to start Kyle Trask if you believe him. So, like, you know, it's right there. It's there for the taking. And that, that's what I would be arguing to Derek Carr. And I, I imagine that's what the Saints are arguing to Derek Carr. I did think – I don't know if we want to get into it here, but the fact that 
if the Saints were to miss out on a Derek Carr, another option that has been mentioned then is suddenly Baker Mayfield, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, if we want to get into this quickly before we move on, like what would be the option after Derek Carr? I don't know if the Saints are even actively pursuing plans for that right now. No, I would think they're definitely focused on we're going to get they're They're that type of attitude where we're going to get our guy no matter what yeah like last year it was Deshaun Watson they were all in on Deshaun Watson then they didn't get him and they had to pivot and they just brought back Jameis which clearly based on what happened you can infer that that was not their ideal scenario right like they can say whatever they want but then they benched him so like clearly there was not, not as much belief there as they might have led you to believe but here we are again and as I said last episode I think if you do miss out on Derek Carr that one year bridge with Jameis still under contract should be very much on the table. You know, it's just a question of whether Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael believe that's that's where they should go, and you would go from there. The other options, Andy Dalton, obviously. I don't know what you would have to pay him. Probably another one-year deal, $8 million, and you're, you're through the door. Because if you are signing him, it would be to be the starter, and you are not signing a starting quarterback for the amount you signed Andy Dalton last year. Yeah, Andy might say, you know what? If you want me to come back, I need something in my contract that says if I end up in the end starting X amount of games, I get this kind of bonus kind of uh, deal because honest to goodness, if you look at the numbers and production, he was a steal last year for for quarterback, you know, in the market. Yeah, it is kind of funny because the Saints are in the salary cap situation they're in and they paid almost nothing at the quarterback position. And that's like unheard of in the NFL. Uh, to be in a bad salary cap position with no money put like going to the quarterback. But yeah, so beyond that, Baker Mayfield again, and then Jimmy Garoppolo probably. You you could potentially make a massive trade for Lamar Jackson. It's tough to I think it's tough to justify that, but it's on there. I think if in with all those scenarios, I would put the most likely being Baker. Because of the amount you can bring him in at if if not if not car, you're saying, right? I think most likely, right? Like last episode, I talked extensively about how I can see Jameis being an option, and I believe that. But the most likely option is probably Baker because you can bring him in at a really low number, and he has just enough upside that you can fool yourself into thinking that it's a win-now move and you still have a chance and you are not just punting uh, your chance to win the division. And I think much like Marcus Mariota last year, I think Bobby made this point on Sports Talk yesterday is – Signing Baker and drafting a Hendon Hooker would be almost identical to what the Falcons did last year in starting Mariota uh, and drafting Desmond Ritter. Because the Falcons weren't tanking until they were out of contention, right? And I think that's what the Saints would do. That's a question too, though. Now you look at then that bridge guy. Okay, the Saints are going to move forward. If I was trying to choose a bridge, it would have like... It- would you rather have Baker as the bridge or do you go back to Andy Dalton kind of thing? Well, right. If, if I had to pick one or the, like if I was picking a guy to be a bridge, I, I personally, I'd go with Jameis. Knowing what I know about the Saints, they probably would go with, with someone else. And if I was picking between Dalton and Baker, it would be Baker just because like he at least gives you some optimism, right? Like you can, you can make the argument that he played pretty well for the Rams down the stretch last year. He was a number one overall pick, still young. Maybe you know he gets to a new franchise and he is kind of a more mature player, and you get the Baker that everyone or that the Browns thought they were drafting, not the one that they got. And so, like that's that's probably where I'd go, knowing that you are still not heavily invested, and at a certain point in the season, you could go to a younger a young 
developing quarterback if you needed to. And so that's where I would go. But you, I think, I think there's more upside in actually the Baker bridge. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, it's weird. Cause they are just every year they're trying to thread that needle. And so they're never going to make a decision based on like, this is the cheapest option. So it's what we're going to go with. It, you have to be able to sell it beyond that. And so that's where I kind of land on Baker. A thing, too, with the quarterback situation, I think we're kind of in agreement too, that we could see Jameis Winston as that guy. Who knows? It sure doesn't seem like the Saints have viewed him that way, obviously, from last year. It doesn't seem likely they'll hold on to him, but he is under contract right now. But a, a question to me, too, is does if you're like Taysom Hill, are you like raising your hand going – Hey guys, can can I have a go at it again, or is it kind of after last season? Basically, you are we. This is who you are to us. You're not you're not that starting caliber quarterback guy, but we do. You want you and the RPO option stuff. Yeah, it's tough. I I, I don't see them going to Taysom Hill mainly because it, like his role in the offense worked. Like he, he had double digit touchdowns. You know, he he ran for a career high. He he, he you know like it, it was a successful part of the offense. And for the same reason that it worked in 2017, it worked in 2022. So, like... Could you get even more production, though, with Jameis running... I mean, with Jameis. No. With Taysom running the whole whole show over Andy. No, you couldn't. Because the whole reason it worked is because it's a change-up. It's because it's not your your primary offense right like if if you are you all you had to do was spend all week trying to figure out how to stop that offense you could stop that offense some teams are really good at stopping that offense and then you would be dead in the water like the the san francisco completely just knocked it dead like it was not going to work and you had to figure out something else so i don't see it like you brought back pete carmichael for a reason and that reason isn't to change the entire way you were running your offense right like so I think the, the goal with him will be to maybe inc- increase his role. And if you bring in a Baker, you can do that. If you bring in Derek Carr, I, that's the question to me is how much can you use Taysom when you bring in a $32 million quarterback and he's going to have some say in like, no, I don't want to come off the field eight times a game, 10 times a game. That's not what I want to do. Uh, maybe he will be amenable to it. But, you know, that, I think that's a that's an interesting question to be asked because when you are on the bottom end of the spectrum – the quarterback spectrum in terms of value, they don't really have much say. Like they do what they're told. You know, when you have the the premium quarterback, and the, you have to you have to abide by it. And like Breeze, you kind of like worked into it. It wasn't like a he walked into a situation and you told him just so you know every like third first down you're coming off the field. <laughs> you know, like uh, I don't know. But shoot, by the end of you know his run, Drew was ready to be like, yeah, go ahead, take me off. Yeah, right. And it didn't start until he was like 38. Right, exactly. He's like, sure, I'll take a breather. Yeah, I'll stand on the side and pretend to catch a pass, you know. Before we end this segment, I did want to play this bite from Jeremy Fowler. He kind of got into like the latest of like where everything stands with, with Derek. Um, and it was, this was on a... Yeah, talking to the, the New York Jets website, like if you were talking to the NewOrleansSaints.com. Right. If your car's camp, if you're Derek Carr... Are the Jets your number one target? I don't know that for sure. What I know is that, well, I know that the meeting that he had with the Jets went really well. There's a good vibe there. Um, I, I certainly think there's interest. Uh, what I know is that fit is really important to him. Winning is really important to him. And, uh, you know, there, I've even talked to some teams who wonder if Carr wants to go to the NFC just because it's a little bit of an easier path, less of a, a quarterback pantheon, mm. so to speak. You don't have uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Josh Allen, all those guys. Might be a, a path of least resistance to win. Um, so that would bring Carolina into the mix because they have a talented roster, you know, if they want to go that route. Um, you know, Saints, 
it's my understanding that they want to get something done with Derek Carr, like mm. that they're ready to do that. So he has options. It's just I get the sense that, you know, he's just sort of waiting it out patiently so that that second team can get heavily involved along with the Saints, and then you have more leverage. So it, it kind of helps him to wait a little bit in that way. They're ready to do yeah. that. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing he said there that's definitely true is, like, I don't think this is going to wrap up in Indianapolis. I would be very surprised if the Saints are able to hammer out a deal with Derek Carr before the combine wraps up and, and everyone goes back because, and this is, this is a very important point, Derek Carr's agent wants to get the maximum money available. So, like, he's going to play. Even if Derek Carr says, I want to go to the Saints, whatever they offer, that's the top deal that I'm going to take he's not going to tell the Saints that. Like, that's not going to be how this negotiation plays out. He's going to try to get the best deal. And keep in mind, he was able to get a huge deal from the Raiders, a team that shouldn't have been that incentivized to give him a no-trade clause and $40 million a season. He was able to hammer that out. And so, like, this is a pretty good agent in terms of uh, making that money. And I think if you are trying to get the maximum offer available, you send the Saints home and make them sweat. And I think that's, that's, that's going to be the gamesmanship going on um, but I do feel pretty comfortable at this point that the Saints are in a good position as it pertains to signing Derek Carr, and it's just a matter of time. But I would be surprised if it's not wrapped up by, you know, this time next week maybe, like mid-next week, because I don't think he wants to get get lumped in with the rest of the free agents. I think he wants to get his situation sorted out first. I, I love the fact that, too, his brother, you know, David Carr on the NFL Network experienced obviously since he is the older brother and uh, took some I guess great cues from the agent saying oh yeah Derek's in no hurry he's going to take his time with this entire process and yeah I would imagine too like you said even if cars even after this week at the combine like all right we talked to whoever this is I want to go to New Orleans or it's even the Jets you, you still make them sweat a little bit to, to drive out the price tag as as much as you can David Carr also seems like a fan of the Jets, which is weird because he played for the Giants, but uh, he he was wearing a green tie. Like, there's no way that's a like when he was he was talking about the situation. It was like you chose to wear a like a very specific color green tie, which is like the Jets color. It wasn't like sea green. It wasn't like the green that Steve's wearing. It was like J E T S Jets 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 green. Um, he might as well have been wearing a Jets logo as he went out there and talked about how great the Jets are. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, there was one interview before Sean got dealt to Denver when he was on Fox that he did have an orange tie. And somebody asked him, was that kind of like a foreshadowing thing? And he said, absolutely. So, who knows? Maybe David Carr's pulling this off. Yeah, that is a good question of like, three teams doesn't seem like the optimal number for, for Derek. I think if for a guy to be that confident to veto a trade and just sacrifice $40 million guaranteed. I think he probably expected more teams to be involved. So maybe there was a team that might have been on the, on the market. <laughs> I, you, could come, you could come close with Washington, and I've been wondering where the heck they're doing. Yeah, that's true. Washington is, is an interesting one, but they seem dedicated to Sam Howell. They did cut Carson Wentz. So yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it was. But as we're going to get into in the, in the next segment, Washington didn't fare so well on their report card. They might be going to summer school. Um, and there's a few other teams. Although surprisingly, a champion got bad grades too. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, the, the teams that got real bad grades are interesting. Are honestly more interesting than the teams that got good grades because a lot of teams got good grades. The Saints training staff got an A-, minus, which sounds good, and then you're like, oh, wait, they were tied for 15th? That doesn't seem to add up. 
But uh, yeah, so we're going to get into more of that. Uh, anything else you want to add before we close out here? No, just hoping that can get done with Car Watch, obviously, just because uh, there's a lot more other stuff to focus on. <laughs> no doubt. Green tie conspiracy theory is real. <laughs> I agree. That's not something... That is not something that you do by accident. Like even like I don't I'm not going on national television, but I come on these live streams and I think like, man, what color should I like I don't want to wear red on Alabama game day and like I don't wanna you know what I mean? Like I think about that. Derek Carr or David Carr definitely thinks about that. He has every color tie. <laughs> you know? I have three. I have three ties. I own three ties. You could just lie and pull the Anthony Davis was oh somebody laid it out for me. Hey Derek David Derek Carr's agent laid it out for me. Right, exactly. I didn't know. All right, let's uh, let's let's wrap this up, and we'll come back on Inside Black and go. We'll talk report cards, baby. Honor roll, Dean's list. Let's do it. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold, and it's report card day, baby. The Saints and the other 31 NFL teams found out how much they suck in very specific ways uh, based on a, a survey of every player who was on a roster in 2022. Not everybody responded. As you obviously know, you've been handed these surveys. Not everyone answers them, but 1,300 players did. We don't know how they were how they stacked up across each team. Like, we don't know how many players from each team responded. So it's possible that, like, the entire roster of, like, five teams responded, and then in some cases you only got, like, 5%, and there were all the angry people. You know, so, like, that is that is something to keep in mind here. But 1,300 players would indicate that it's a pretty good sampling from across the NFL. And they were asked, like, questions like, you know, how do you feel about the training staff? 
and to grade it on a scale of one to five. They were asked questions where they had to give more of a like a qualitative description of like, okay, what's what do you like about the dining hall? What don't you like about the dining hall? Stuff like that. So we have all that information here, and it, and it's really fascinating to kind of get an insight into this stuff. That's what's really important too. It's it's from the players. This isn't anybody else's opinion kind of thing. Right. Like it's like the, the teams don't have any say in the information that is put out here, and it's very rare to get this type of like insight. And it's from the NFLPA, right? J.C. Treader, this was one of the things that he wanted to do was to give kind of a free agency roadmap. So like, for example, you're on one team for eight years and then suddenly you're a free agent and you're trying to figure out which team to go to. But all you're going to hear is the co the company line from the team. Like they're going to tell you everything's great. and But you can go here and be like, oh, wait, no, it says I have to sit next to people on a plane. I don't want to do that. Or it says, wait, wait a minute, the cafeteria is not even open for dinner. You don't even give me dinner. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, or even one of the most damning things I think is the treatment of family is pretty big. And I can't believe some of the scores on there. The, yeah. That being a category was it like, everything is pretty straightforward. And then like, how do you treat my family? It's like, if you get an F in that, that's a bad thing. <laughs> um, but you know, even like even anything below an A in that is probably sketchy, but uh, so we'll go through this. So first things first, the saints as they broke down here. So they did pretty well. Absolutely. There are five categories. I'm sorry, there are seven categories. They got an A in five of them, and either A minus, A, or A plus, right? So that's good. That's a, in the, I think they rank number 10 when you average it all out. So they got an A plus in travel. One of the reasons being like there's a lot of space on the plane, right? They got an A for locker room, and you know one of the notes was that the Saints believe they have the best locker room in the NFL, and and we've seen it recently upgraded. Obviously, I would say you know the interesting thing there is I would say that the locker room at the facility is excellent. The locker room at the Superdome is actually kind of kind of grungy a little bit, but it's an old building. Like that's just the case, right? One of the teams that did terribly here was the Chiefs, and that's just the like their stadium is old, their facilities are old. And so I think that's like the, the, especially the younger players are going to be, that came from like LSU where they, it's like a palace probably are like, why, why did I have better facilities in college? <laughs> so that's something, but the Saints got an A in locker room and you've been in there. Do you agree? I agree. I think it's a pretty swanky locker room. Yeah. And we, we've seen that. I forget what year that happened, but that it's not too far removed from being upgraded where, yeah, they, they totally got new lockers that. Uh, you'll hear slamming in the back, in the background while we're doing interviews and things like that. But um, even during the COVID times, they put up those partitions, even though we weren't even in the locker room. I kind of wish they got they'd get rid of those hockey boards, but I imagine they're there to stay. I think the players like them. I think it's kind of like a privacy thing, and like they they feel like they can sit in there and be. It's probably nice. Like it cuts down the noise. But yeah, there's plexiglass in between the lockers that never used to be there. And the, you know, COVID's it's not over, but like in terms of the NFL changing its policies due to COVID is, is over. And, but they've made oh, no indication that they are, are going to take those down or have any plans to take them down. So I think they're there to stay. And it's kind of interesting. Like for the same reason, we still end up getting Zoom calls, like in certain instances, like it just makes more sense. And so that's just a holdover from COVID that I don't think is going away. And it's, it, it just seems like a general comfy place for them. We see guys obviously hanging out frequently, playing basketball or watching whatever's on ESPN kind of deal. But yeah, it, it looks nice in there. And like I said, the recent upgrades make them on that level. I really think it was after they had joint practices 
with the Patriots in New England, and you kind of saw a lot of ways, honestly, the Patriot way was how they were doing things. And I feel like after that, they really went in to the locker room and other places around the facility to upgrade stuff. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons they gave for like doing this survey at all was some players are on a team their entire career and they think, oh, this is what happens everywhere. And then they, but in reality, it's like, no, this team is just kind of not taking care of you the way that they should. Right. Like um, we're going to get into it in a minute, but like there are a few good reasons the Saints got a low score with nutrition. But yeah, so training room got an A, weight room got an A minus, training staff got an A minus. Now, I think a lot of people will be confused on those grades, but if you look around, majority of the training staffs in the NFL got A plus, A or A minus. So at an, at an A minus, the Saints actually ranked 15th in the NFL. So in that sense, you know, they are middle of the pack, which I would say is probably accurate. But I do think it's also an indication that the majority of NFL players feel like the training staff does a good job. Now, the medical staff, that's another question that was not part of this. And I think it's because that's an independent function from the teams in a lot of cases. You know, obviously the Saints have a relationship with Oshner, but like the training staff is appears to be generally liked from the team. I'm just curious, can is there any way can someone leak Mike Thomas's report card that he gave back? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. I uh, you know, I probably tanked the score a little bit. Like they probably got an A plus and then it was like one F. Yeah, you know, when you brought that up I, I really didn't think about that point. Like you said, how many of the Saints players really did go through with the the survey and you know, is it is it just someone that wasn't even here that long kind of deal? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it's like it it kind of makes you feel like, oh, this is the score. But so you know, even so, if it was evenly distributed among all teams, that would be about forty people per team that sent it back, right? So yeah, I think that, and I'm not saying that's what it was, but thirteen hundred is a pretty solid number in terms of like I think every team had a pretty reasonable sampling on here. And I imagine like a lot of the veteran players were, you know, it's just a veteran thing to do to be more involved. And so I imagine it had, it was more veteran players than young players, but yeah. Yeah. And everything for the saints part was good, except for you mentioned food. And that's so sad for new Orleans, except nutrition. They didn't just get an F they got an F minus. I've never seen that either. There's so many F minuses and that's a great, thankfully I don't, I've never witnessed before complete anarchy does not exist no f minus exists anyway it's just an f you fail like f means fail you failed you failed you even failed worse than failing kind of with an f minus in this survey there are levels of failure and you failed worse than anybody else they were tied for last but the the reasons are interesting like i don't think you hear nutrition you assume like man they're just giving them like like Oreos and Hot Pockets. <laughs> go go get canes across the street. Right. But it's like, that's not really what it is, or at least that's not the majority of, like this answer is more talking about the offerings in the cafeteria. And the biggest ding, according to this, is the Saints are one of three teams in the NFL that does not offer dinner service at the facility. And it's kind of strange when you think about it, Cause like, why not? I guess you figure maybe you have so many other great options around, but yeah, I don't know. That's a, it's a little curious. Well, I mean, like you think about like you, you, I think part of it is cause they practice in the morning in most instances. So their theory is a majority of the team is probably out of the facility by the time dinner would happen. And are you going to have a full dinner service for like five to 10 people who might be staying late? 
but it's just not a great look when you consider how much NFL franchises are worth <laughs> and like you can't have any dinner service available. So that's, that's and, and the and the fact that the majority of teams do it now. The Saints are one of the teams that plays in warm weather. I think in instances like you you go up to Green Bay and they practice later in the day, so that could be a factor. But it's definitely something that drove that score down. They also uh, there, another criticism was that the 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 actual dining hall itself was not very big. And they felt cramped in there, which, I, don't, I mean, it seemed plenty big to me. I don't know. Um, but I guess. Um, no, that, that's what I was definitely surprised. The fact that, okay, when you saw F minus and then you're reading the reasons, it, it kind of didn't really even out and equate. Maybe maybe a D, a D plus. I don't know. But F minus seemed pretty extreme for the reasoning. I'm just jealous always Fridays when we go there for practice and we're walking to the indoor facility and we see the Drago's truck is, you know, char grilling oysters. And I'm like, man, I wish I was getting some. Yeah. And to be clear, those aren't the only reasons like the report card that was sent out is not a complete report of all the answers. It's just an average of the grades. And these are just some notes along with it. So like the, the they didn't get an F minus because they don't provide dinner, but that was one of the common reasons that they got a low score. And it is funny in New Orleans, but you do also think like, okay, if you've ever been to the team facility, it's not like there's a ton of dining options around that that you'd want to eat if you're an NFL player, you're a professional athlete. You know, it's like you could go to Smoothie King, and I'm sure a lot of the players do. Um, but like, it's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go from the facility and walk into Canes? They have their own smoothie bar in the workout room, too. So, I mean, come on. Yeah, and so I imagine that has something to do with it either way. But, like like I said, the Saints actually did well here. There are teams, and I just want to go through the teams that got Fs and stuff. What, what, what do I joke to, Joe, Jeff, is, like, obviously with the food situation, it's New Orleans. How can that be? But as media members going into the Superdome, we often complain about the selection there as well. So I don't know what it is, but we got to step up our food game when it comes to our sports teams. Yeah, so, I, like, and I agree. And so now let's go through some of the other scores. And these are just guys, p- teams that got Fs. And this is, a, this is a very specific category that I think is important. Treatment. Of families. Brutal, right? Teams that got an F. And like, think about this. Like, these are teams that are trying to convince free agents to come sign. And on this report card, the Washington Commanders, Jacksonville Jaguars, Cincinnati Bengals, and Arizona Cardinals all got Fs. They got Fs in treatment of families. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl. You know, they they won a playoff game. I think they lost in the divisional. No, they lost in the AFC Championship this year. Right? So they were on the cusp of the Super Bowl. And... (laughs) <laughs> the teams, the players felt like their families were treated poorly. <laughs> like That's crazy to me. Really surprising. Yeah, especially, you know, you look at the personalities around there. A number one, obviously your quarterback in Joe Burrow, and he seems to exude that more friendly, open atmosphere that, you know, there there is that kind of fun-loving family feeling, but that doesn't seem to be the case that the players are feeling for their family members at least. Here's here's a couple like notes on the Bengals score here. One of 14 teams that do not offer a family room, one of 11 teams that do not offer a daycare. The Saints actually do offer both of those things. And so that's, you know, that goes into their score they got to be plus. Here's another one. Players report that there is nowhere safe and warm for mothers and children to go during the game. And that breastfeeding mothers have sat on the public restroom floor to nurse their babies. Well, that's pretty specific right there. Yeah, I mean, I think that qualifies for a bad family treatment score. Moms on the floor, breastfeeding shouldn't happen. This is another team that got an F-minus in nutrition. 
So again, like this is the Bengals, and they have failed two categories. They also got an F minus in the locker room and an F minus in travel. The Bengals, a team that went to the Super Bowl and then followed up with an AFC championship appearance, got got four Fs, two Ds, a C, and one A. And that A was in strength staff. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely an awful look. But it, what's crazy is it really, you can't say, has affected the Bengals winning, which is, you know, number one bottom line. And that's a good point. I want to get into that in a second. Another team that did terrible in this on this report card, Kansas City Chiefs. D plus, D plus, D minus, D minus, and then an F in travel. The Super Bowl champions in Two of the last four years, they made it in three of the last four years, and the other year they lost the AFC Championship, got Ds and Fs in the majority of these categories. And I think, honestly, if you look at these, there's a, there's a serious argument to be made that not coddling your players leads to good results because look at these teams in the AFC that are just dominating. and they, they, the, the players are like, this sucks, get me out of here. That one definitely stood out because, obviously, when you think of the Chiefs, you think of a successful organization – they did have obviously issues with the coaching staff getting into some trouble, like Andy Reid's son kind of thing, but that doesn't really bleed into the players kind of voting on things like this. And to just see some, some things like the Arizona Cardinals, man, they looks like such a cheap organization. They don't, they charge their players for food. Like it comes out of your paycheck. Yikes. You ever see, uh, you ever see Moneyball? Yes. Is that scene where David justice, it's like, why do I have to pay for soda in the locker room? And he's like, uh, Billy likes to keep the money on the field. I'm like, soda money? <laughs> but apparently that's what's happening in Arizona. It's like, hey, maybe that was something Sean's like, I'm not working for this kind of or- this organization that's going to, you know, cut corners at certain spots. You know, these dudes obviously work hard and you are paid well and you expect to be treated a certain way. Well, I, I think like it's just, you know, I just find it fascinating. And that's why like we're talking about it for so long. And I just I think it's really interesting because you talk about free agency, right? And, te- and players choosing certain teams. It's not always going to be the team that offers the most money, right? Like there are instances where a player wants to go to a certain team and there's reasons for that. One of the reasons is, oh, I, my, my wife just had a baby and she doesn't want to sit on the bathroom floor at a Bengals game, you know, trying to nurse the child. Like, I mean, it's, there, there is more to it than just that. And I do think it's, it's really, it's really fascinating. There was only a couple teams that got straight A's. One of them was the Minnesota Vikings. They got A's in every category, as far as I can tell. A, A minus A, A plus, A plus, A plus, A plus. So that's, for a team that lives in like permanently in the snow, that's you know I guess they they figured out in order to get people to go to Minnesota, they have to treat them well. And I think I think say what you want about Jerry Jones, but man, Dallas Cowboys came in pretty high. They did. Miami Dolphins, um, they got a C plus in treatment of families, but they did really they got A's in everything else, um, which is impressive. Yeah, I was gonna say, have we? Did you read the little thing, uh, the the side note on why maybe the Dolphins thought that about their family? That's what I find interesting. It's like, obviously, what is the reasoning behind that? Um, especially, I think you can draw your own conclusions when you see weight room or training staff, kind of things like that. But you know, for for something as pretty egregious as the treatment of family being bad, it's like, what is this? What are teams doing? <laughs> well, I think to to one extent, it's like. 
players might have come from a team that was very amenable to, oh, you have 20 family members coming in? Great, we have a room, they can go hang out in them. And then other teams don't have that, right? In this case... See, I'm, I'm just saying real quick, just to the nitpicking against the Dolphins, they only give a limited number of passes to the post-game area, which players with larger families feel is restrictive. I mean... There are levels to this. Right, right, exactly. And if that's the worst thing is like your extended, like your your great aunt from visiting from Kalamazoo can't get into the family area because it's packed with like 50 people and the room's not big enough. It's a fire hazard. Okay. You know, if you have to be bad at something, and that's why if I'm the Saints, I'm like, you know what? Most teams did not get straight A's in this. And if the only thing that they can say badly about me is, you know, we don't offer dinner, which is something that if I'm the States and I'm looking at this, I'm changing, right? I am finding a way to have some sort of dinner service. And then we, anyone who has questions about it and looks at this can be like, you can be like, yeah, we, we saw that team players wanted it. We, we added it. And then all of a sudden you are getting straight A's. So, you know, I, I just think that, you know, and anyone could look at this. I posted something on WWL and it has a link to the, to the entire report card at the bottom. So go check that out. And uh, yeah, anyway, I think that's, we can kind of wrap it up there and get into the mailbag, but I thought that I just, I, I could go through this for hours. It's just so fascinating. I, I agree. I thought it was great too, just to see how, how well the Saints did match up against teams in the NFL too, and why players would want to come here. Yep. I agree. Except for nutrition. Except for nutrition. You know, there's a few cat like no one, no team training, training staff got an F, which I guess is important. If your training staff got an F from the players, fire the training staff i would argue that the kansas city chiefs washington commanders both of whom got a d kansas city chiefs got a d minus that staff should be fired one of the complaints about the chiefs was that players did not feel comfortable reporting their injuries which is nuts to me it was rated the lowest among training staffs in the nfl they feel discouraged from reporting their injuries they do not feel they get the level of personal care that they should they fear retribution for speaking up for better care. Why would a free agent sign there? And I'll tell you why, because they win. That is wild though. I, what, what is the, how does that philosophy work and breed winning? And, and here's the thing, and I would almost, I would bet money this guy gets canned. With the lowest rating and concerning qualitative responses, we learned that players' key concerns are with head trainer Rick Burkholder, not the rest of the training staff, which is generally liked. Like, that guy, if he's employed this time next year, that's crazy to me. This is literally, this this report is basically saying, fire this guy into the sun. <laughs> I was going to say, thrown under bus immediately. Yeah. And like, he probably didn't even know this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, how does that guy feel right now? How does the Chiefs organization feel knowing that their entire team was like, this place sucks. Get me out of here. How does that stack up too? Is, has any other names been mentioned or is that the only guy that's that's been called out personally? That is the that is one of the only things, only times I've seen. I've gone through a lot of these and that is the only name I have seen where they were like, everyone hates this one specific person. <laughs> and like, it's like, like, just to be clear, it's really just this guy. All the rest of the trainers are fine, but get this, this guy sucks. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, right. You're cool. You're cool. You suck. You're cool. I'm out. Yeah, I do want to look at the, the commanders now because they got an F- minus in training room. Those are pretty awful grades, right? And like a lot of times it's like, okay, they don't have enough, enough people working. They don't have enough space. It's a little cramped. The sawn is not big enough. The steam room's not big enough. There's not enough tubs, that sort of thing. 
but but they did talk i'm just looking at the overall just like big ones they did a horrible in training staff right uh locker room team travel treatment of families it's just awful their strength coaches though was number one they were tied for first the note for training staff many players reported that they do not want to do their rehab here i want to leave now can i go <laughs> it might be because they're bad anyway um anyway so that's that's all let's wrap that up and we can move on i just I admit people might not find that as fascinating as I do, but as someone who spent a lot of time around the Saints and not other teams, it is really fascinating to me how these other the players view the team. Because again, the teams had no had no way to 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 mess with this at all. It was purely player feedback. And yeah, uh, that's another thing. This is from the players on the teams. There's no media involvement. There's no you know former coaches or staff members being involved with this this is your current players talking about your facilities and the team's environment and yeah definitely uh definitely some eye-opening stuff uh biggest thing for me happy that the saints were uh pretty much an a organization overall uh one more before we go this is you mentioned this quality of food ranked 32nd for the Arizona Cardinals. If players would like dinner, it will be boxed up for them, but players reported that the team will charge you via a payroll reduction. They are the only team that does this. <laughs> it's just the way this is written is so funny because it's just someone at the NFLPA being like, these motherfuckers. <laughs> Fire Rick Burkholder. Going across the grades for the Cardinals, you talk about that, the cheapness, and then the fact that to uh, treatment of families, I was like, man, I understand totally why, sh why Sean kind of glossed over them. The weight room, the floors are uneven and the floorboards are peeling up. This is a billion dollar organization. You can't get a floor in your goddamn weight room. Jesus, Arizona, you need to get your shit together. All right, I've said we're gonna wrap this segment up like three times. I mean it this time. It's interesting. I mean, it is interesting to just see like, you look, like you just mentioned billion dollar organizations and what they're doing to their top employee, their, their prime employees, these guys that are making millions. They're trying to keep money on the field, Steve. Here's your dinner now that's coming out your payroll. Here's your dinner. That will be $47. Don't worry, we'll bill you. All right, keep it locked in Inside Black and Gold. We're going to come back with a mailbag. Mailbag? Mailbag. Mailbag. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Got one more segment. It is the mailbag segment. Best day of the week. Basically, Santa Claus carrying around a sack of mail, reaching in there, finding all of your questions. The first one, I do want to get, I want to get to this first so that we don't have to come back to it. And that's from the Jerry Pore Jr. He says, IDGAF about grades from other people. Let's be real. They hate the Saints. It's nothing new. To be clear, in case that was not clear in the last segment, these are players from the roster talking about the team they're on. So 1,300 players from the 2022 season. They are not rating other teams on these. This is them talking about their own franchise, or at least the one they played for last season, while they were on it, and how the players are treated in the facilities and stuff like that. So like this is not this this is an objective like ranking from people who are right in the thick of it. Um so just to be clear, I don't want to, I don't want people to think like we are coming up with reasons to hate the Arizona Cardinals. They've done it to themselves. Yeah, no in no way shape or form is it like local media or even national media chiming in like uh, this is from the NFLPA players getting polled on it and that's why we thought it was so interesting. That's if it was if it was just some like I get emails all the time from like people who did like Twitter surveys on like oh who's the most hated team in Louisiana it's always going to be the Falcons like we get it like we just got one about like who like like who has the worst food at the and it's like Superdome ranked low but it's like I don't I mean how do you get to this data like it's not like they're all they're surveying people who have gone to all 32 NFL stadiums and anyway moving on 504 co he asked this question twice so I know he wants to know it he says. Do we take Jalen Carter if he slips to 29? Jalen Carter is not slipping to 20. Like, like Jalen Carter is probably still going to be the first pick in the draft. Like, I, you know, he, I was going to say, yes, run up there. Yeah, he's not like that kid from Alabama who, you know, might be complicit in a murder. He was part of a tragic situation, right? And he might face some misdemeanor charges, get some community service. But I, no team is going to be like, oh, I won't draft him because he did something stupid in college. It's not, you know, the, the one it, the one to compare it to is uh, Laramie Tunsil, I want to say. I want, isn't he the one who, like, accidentally tweeted out, like, a video of himself, like, ripping a bong, uh, like, on draft day? Which, it, it, almost, it was so crazy that it almost felt, like, like intentional because he didn't want to go to, like, a bad team. So he, like, tanked his draft stock down to, like, the I think he went to the Dolphins. But I don't think this is that. Like, I, like... Yeah, he did something stupid. I imagine the teams will bring it up with him at the combine this week, but he's not going to drop. He, he might maybe a couple picks because when you're picking at like number three in the draft, there's so many good options available that if you do have character concerns about a guy, he might get past that. But he's not getting out of the top ten, so I don't think it's worth talking about. But like, of course, if he slipped to twenty nine, you should get him. If he slipped to five, you should get him. If he slipped to six, you should get him. If he slipped to seven, you should get him. He's the best player in the draft. What popped into my head immediately, not because of uh, the case that's going on with Carter, but just the situation. Remember uh, 2015, Leo Collins just completely off the draft board entirely was wild. Yeah, and again, that was a, that was a situation where he was kind of implicated in some way in a murder. And like, yeah, that's a situation where you do probably want to like maintain your distance from it. This is just an unfortunate situation. He made a stupid decision and you know, it's a tragic situation. It's like, I'm sure, I'm sure he feels terrible about all the things that happened, but 
Um, it's not going to be something that severely impacts his draft stock. There's no way. Yeah, I don't think so either. But if he did happen to fall to 29, I'd run up with the draft card. I'll run up for the for him for sure, right? Of course you would. If he got the if he got the 10, like there would be teams like falling over themselves to trade up to go get him. Like he's that good. Here's total truth, Todd Shaw. In case you're wondering what you're gonna get, it's the total truth. Be prepared for Kamara to be out the first six games to start whoever is RB2 to be ready to carry the load. I'm glad you asked this. It's not really a question, but it's a statement, but we'll go to it because what we didn't get to in the first segment is like, is it worth going in and knocking down, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette's door and saying, hey, you want to come back to New Orleans? He's going to get cut by the Bucks. The Bucks are just going to take it on the chin from a cap this perspective this season, it seems like. Like that's their real main goal is to just get as far below the cap as they can for the 2024 season and beyond. And so they're cutting everybody. They're saying they're going to start Kyle Trask. You know, they might end up with Caleb Williams. It might work out for them. They might end up with who knows their team might decide, Hey, we're not that bad. And we're going to win a couple games and ruin this for you. And I hope they do either way. Leonard Fournette will not be a part of it. So this question isn't about Leonard Fournette, but I think, would you, would you like to see Leonard Fournette on the Saints, Steve? I'd uh, be interested. Uh, he's still pretty young, even though it seems like he's kind of been around forever. 28. 28? Yeah, and I, I know he's got some hard running miles on him, but we've been having some LSU player reunions of late now with the Dennis Allen era here in New Orleans, so I could see it, you know, happening. Uh, just questioning, though, from the Leonard Fournette front, is coming home really that more important to him than possibly another Super Bowl ring. And I think there's going to be teams like just the top of my head, like a Buffalo, a Philadelphia that would would be willing to pony up for that running back. It's possible. Again, it's like I've, I, I tweeted that another homecoming might be fun. And like it is worth mentioning because I think Sean was against storylines like that, that would take a, that would like be a distraction or like take away from what they're trying to do because he's like a local celebrity, right? And I think that he was probably, it was too much to be a coincidence that it like never happened. You never saw LSU players, at least not in the like recent history. And last year alone, you had Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry. Obviously Jarvis, you know, it's funny because they went in complete opposite directions. Jarvis started as hot as anyone. He had a hundred yard receiving game and had that awesome catch and the Falcons come back or the comeback to beat the Falcons. And then by week three, he was basically done because he hurt his ankle and he was out. Whereas Tyron Matthew, I think, started very slowly. But by the end of the year, he had played in all 17 games and he was playing his best football by the end of the season. And so, it could, you know, it's a good example of like, okay, it can go well, it can go badly. In this case, I think if Leonard is amenable to coming home and taking a short-term deal, he makes a lot of sense, right? He's a guy who you would trust to start. If Alvin does miss the first four, the first six, the first eight games, or maybe just disappears for a stretch in the middle of the season, he's a guy who you you would feel like could handle a starting role. He can block. He can catch a lot better than I think people realize. He caught, like I think it was 76 passes last season, uh, which Tom Brady loves to pepper the running back. But even by those standards, like Tom Brady typically throws to receiving backs. So, you know, and, and he's a guy who you could sign as a short-term kind of stopgap knowing that next year you're going to be in an awkward situation with Alvin and also still draft someone. You could still draft a Tajay Spears in the fourth round, maybe an Evan Hull, maybe whoever, Devin A. Shane, anybody, and you can groom them behind Leonard, but you won't have to be in a situation where you have to go a stretch of six games with that guy being your bell cow and you might not trust him yet. So to me, it would make sense. And I think I'd expect them to at least make the call 
whether Leonard is willing to do it, fine. It's like you set a number, and if he's willing to come on it, then that's great. That's what happened with Jarvis last year. They didn't sign him right out of the gate. They waited him out. The market wasn't what he thought it would be, and he was like, you know what, I'll go back home for one year, six million. And, you know, at that time, it felt like a great get for the Saints. It just didn't work out. And so I think you're going to see a similar thing happen this year. Yeah, I, I like the the whole get for them from a, a need aspect and the fact that, hey, you know, getting a guy that knows your division rival all so well, too, never hurts either. And uh, we could see Fournette maybe extract some revenge on the Buccaneers. <laughs> There's another one is uh, Jamal Williams, 504 Co. He says he wouldn't mind Jamal Williams. And yeah, yeah, I mean, Jamal Williams, I mean, I, I'm looking it up right now. I know he had an insane number of touchdowns. I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say it was like 18. He had 17 rushing touchdowns. It's crazy when you consider Alvin Kamara had, what, one all season? 17 rushing touchdowns on the Lions. Not exactly the most prolific offense, you can imagine. Zero receiving touchdowns, though, which is he, – he was not used barely at all. He only had 12 receptions all season, which is odd because I remember him being, like, a decent receiving back on the Packers. Let's see. How many receptions did he have? Yeah, like, he, in 2019, he had 39 receptions. In 2020, he had 31 even last year, he had 26. For some reason, this year, he played in 17 games and caught 12 passes for for 73 yards. Either way, yeah, I mean, he's an interesting guy. I'm just not sure, like, is he a guy you're going to want to trust for six to eight games? Maybe. He's a free agent. I bet he gets paid pretty well. And then that's the other thing. Is he going to be in a range where you're not having to pay too much? Which, when you rush for 17 touchdowns in a year, um, I think you did a pretty good job of getting yourself paid. Yeah, and I think, uh, did you get to watch the Detroit Lions hard knocks at all? I did not, but I did see the his interview after the week 18 win over the Packers that was really just exclusively them being like, go to hell, y'all, because we can't even make the playoffs, but we're going to ruin it for you anyway. And he experienced like the entire gamut of human emotion in like 30 seconds. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, it was just def- definitely to me one of those personalities that stuck, at, stuck out and I would think Detroit would want to keep him around, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to, obviously, if the Saints could bring in a guy like that, shoot, we'll definitely take 17 touchdowns a year, obviously. Here's TTT again, Total Truth Todd. He says, what I see, some what, what some seeing car I don't get, a QB never won a playoff game and a losing overall record doesn't make sense. 30 to 35 million is too much, essentially. And I, I agree with that. I mean, I understand why, why you're saying that. We don't need to get too much into it. We already talked a lot about this in the first segment, but... I mean, I can understand the red, the, the hesitance to shell out that kind of money, but if I think what I think doesn't really matter in this case, it's like what do the Saints think? And I think it's pretty clear that the Saints think that getting a quarterback that is stable for this year and a few and however long down the road is important. And I think that's what they're going to really try to do. I'm curious. Obviously, you know, what do you think with the fact that obviously Carr is asking? It's what he wants is $35 million. Do we really think he's going to get that? Because I don't. I'm thinking maybe more in the 31, 32 range. I'm hoping the Saints can do something like a 29, but there's no way he's getting 35 a year, I feel like. I think the Saints are going to pay as much as it takes to get him within the range that they are willing to do it. I don't think they're going to lose him because they only want to pay 29 and he wants 32 right like for the same reason i don't think Derek carr is going to walk on the saints because he can get a couple million dollars somewhere else like we went through those team grades right like if you want to be somewhere and you feel good about the organization and you're in a position where you've made a lot of money in your career i don't think you're going to let two million dollars or so a year 
warp your decision by that much. And I think the same is true for the Saints. If they're committed to him, they're not going to say, well, we can we can play hardball and, and it, get it down to 28 when he's going to like it, it's tough. And I do think there's a balance there. Like you don't want to you're trying to bring in a quarterback because he has a good feeling about your organization and you feel like you can work well together. And then the first thing you do is you try to like lowball him and play hardball. Like, I don't think that's a good thing either. So I don't know. I'm kind of talking in circles here, but that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I know to me, it's obviously the saints looking out for the best of the organization, blah, 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 with the salary cap. And to me, I, I do like Carr as a quarterback that could lead the Saints, but to me, $35 million, that price tag is just way too high. Daniel Blount says, forget Carr, draft Hooker. I, I mean, I, they may still do that. You know, I, I think if you do sign Carr, it becomes less likely that you draft Hendon Hooker, not because you feel any differently about him, but because doing that means that you are committed to a guy for multiple seasons. And if there's someone on the board in the third round or even the fourth round, if he's still available, that you feel really good about, you're probably going to take him over a quarterback. Now, if it's anybody else, I almost think you have to take a guy like Hendon Hooker if you don't take someone in the second round because anyone else you bring in will be nothing more than a one- to two-year bridge maximum. So, I mean, I I don't think you're going to forget about anyone. When you're saying to draft Hooker, are you imagining him as as the 29 pick or no? No, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm saying third round. Okay, yeah. You're not you're not taking him in the second round either. You're taking him because he's a project and you want to have a young quarterback working behind your veteran. And you think maybe he is a guy who can develop down the road. So you even think if, if so if you get card, the cards fall out, we, get, we end up getting the deal done, New Orleans Saints uh, in car, a four-year deal will say, you don't still maybe if hookers around add, add in that more depth to just even like we've talked about something start developing an arm or you're really more concerned than with de- surrounding car with more assets around him at 29 no 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 in the third round i'm saying yeah i mean that's what i'm saying you could still do it i think it 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 lowers the chance but the chance is still there it just depends on who's available like if you have a first round grade on a guy and it's there in the third round you're taking him i don't care how much you want a quarterback like it's probably more realistic to think second round grade than a first round grade you get into the third round. But either way, you get the idea. Like if you can get a premium tight end at that spot and you don't feel like you get him with fourth round, I'm taking it, it again. If I went with Carr, not if I went with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, Jerry wants to know what my thoughts are on the NX- XFL for the first two weeks. I haven't watched it, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had it on. And to me, the product hasn't been anything where it's kept my total interest. Like week one, I was all about it. And then. Like the other day, last week, I was even like, oh, you know, I saw on Twitter, Thursday night football's on, and it didn't even get me excited to tune into the XFL. I mean, there's, like, the fun of it is the names, right? Like, there's a lot of, like, Jordan Tiamu, I saw, was the quarterback for one team. I know A.J. McCarron's a quarterback. And so, like, if you're a very big, if you're a big college football fan, and you're going to, you know, you enjoy seeing those names pop up, like, oh, I remember that guy, then, yeah, it's probably for you. Some of the different rules may be a little interesting too, but overall, to me, the actual football you're watching, you know, you're spoiled with the NFL product, and it obviously is not even close to that. Exactly. Here's Jerry again. He says, so Kamara pleaded not guilty. Is he off the hook until July 31st? I'm not sure what you mean by off the hook, but yes, he essentially, he's due to be back in court July 31st. Now, they could they could figure something out before then. It's not a guarantee that he has to be back there on July 31st if they agree to a deal out of court and move on with their lives. But yes, you're not going to hear any more about 
Camara in court until July 31st. That really short bit that Camaro, we got to see, you know, watching the live stream today or even the video afterwards. I think you said it was eight minutes of footage. I, I was actually surprised he had to even show up for that, but I, I guess it was something that was mandatory. For Yeah, to enter a plea, you have to be there. It's not like a scheduling thing. Like, I think they have a scheduling thing on July 25th, like preview, pre like prior to July 31st, the trial is starting, but he doesn't have to be there for that. That's something his lawyer can handle. That's why he hired Las Vegas-based attorneys. Kermit the Frog here. Hi-ho. Can we trade for Fields? Also, I think we legitimately got to think of Taysom as an option at QB because I've seen Texans and Dolphins reports that they could be interested in getting it from us. That's my best Kermit. There's no reports of Denver being interested in Taysom? I think that's just a standing interest. If you want to go back to the last podcast, the third segment, we went pretty heavily on whether they could trade for Fields, which I think they could. It's just a question of if the Bears are dangling him, right? The Bears currently seem like their goal is to trade the top pick, which would mean they are keeping Fields and trying to accumulate assets so they can build around him. If that's the case, then no, you're not trading for Fields. But if they start, if, if they revert course and decide we're going to draft Bryce Young at number one, then I think the Saints are in that. But it also sounds like they could have Derek Carr under contract in the next week or so. And if that's the case, then no, you are not trading for Fields because you have a quarterback. Yeah. But if they do miss out on Carr and they are still wanting to make a splash, then that's something that I think could happen. I'm definitely would be excited to see uh, Justin Fields coming to a Saints uniform, really impressed with his development just last season, and uh, be curious to see how much more uh, his accuracy in the passing game can grow because obviously we, we know that speed and the legs are there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the, the other question was about Taysom. Per personally, if a team was offering you a legitimate asset for Taysom, I would probably do it. And if that team is the Broncos, I would probably do it. Because I think that's the only team that's going to offer a legitimate asset. Like, I'm not trading Taysom for, like, a seventh rounder. But if a team comes and offers, like, a third, fourth rounder. I was going to say a fourth rounder, right. Because, like, this, like he was a Sean Payton guy. And, again, in this circumstance, if you brought in Derek Carr, suddenly I think it could get awkward. Like, Andy was okay with it last season, but Andy didn't really have a choice. Jameis was okay with it a lot, the, the last two seasons, but he didn't really have a choice. He was not in a position of power in that regard of saying, absolutely not, get Taysom out of my face. Derek Carr... You know, you have to sell yourself to him, right? Like I would say, too, just strictly from a business, business you know, point of view, you look at Taysom's kind of injury history, also his age match with it, and if you can get a third or fourth round asset for him in return, I, I think you do move on from that contract. As painful as it is for me to say, because I really do love what he brings as a weapon in this offense. Agreed. St. John Butler thinks my Kermit impression is spot on. So he's, he's lying. Voice acting future for Jeff. He's just trying to get, get in my good graces. I don't know why I have nothing, uh, nothing to offer, but yes, I am. Uh, I did, I did, I did interview for, for the uh, Kermit job, but he's already got, is it a, is it hand puppet? I don't know if it's a hand puppet. I was going to say he has a hand up his butt already and it's not mine, but I'm not sure if that's the type of puppet he is. He might be like a marionette. You could put his, your hand there anyway, if you want. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I have Steve's. I'm, they're, I'm, I'm gonna be like, no. Steve said this was okay. They're like, what are you doing, sir? This is a this is a Wendy's restaurant. Okay, we have a few more um, that we can get to pretty quickly that came in just now, and then we can go from there. Popping up on Twitter stuff, you see, and Adam Schefter saying that uh, Zeke Ezekiel Elliott's a prime cut candidate for the for Dallas. 
Yeah, and I think these veteran candidates are options. I would be very surprised if Zeke goes in, if, if he gets cut and he goes in a range. Like one of the reasons you can get Leonard Fournette, or at least you could like feasibly get him, is you know he's going to have a low market. Like his market's not going to be huge. He's probably going to sign a one-year deal, and. The question is, why would he sign it here instead of Buffalo? Well, he's from New Orleans. He likes the warm weather. Maybe he doesn't want to go live in the hellscape that is Buffalo in the winter, right? Like, I wouldn't. That would be a factor for me. So, I don't know. And I, like, I don't think Tyron Matthew wanted to come back here earlier in his career either. Like, that's another point. Tyron was always, like, saying, like, I don't think New Orleans is a good place for me to be. And it wasn't at the point that he was at in his life when he went to Arizona and then he went to the Texans and then he went to the Chiefs. As he got older, as he got more mature, and he probably could handle some of the outside distractions that go on when you are coming back home, he was able to handle it better, and he did it. And I think he he had a, he enjoyed it. And so maybe that's a good example for you know Leonard. Maybe Leonard says, "Hey, Tyron, how was it? Did you have a good time?" And you know he says, "Did you see the team report card? They they did great in travel." No, to me, for for, for Fournette, obviously, twenty eight years old. Uh, I'm looking for as much cash that can keep me warm at this point. I think he's at you know that stage in his career where this is probably his last really large, significant dollar amount contract he'll get. Possible. Well, he has won a ring already. That's one thing to keep in mind. Like he's like you talk about ring chasing. He has one. You, you always want more though. Yeah, sure. You wouldn't be in the NFL if you didn't if that wasn't a goal. But at the same time, like I think there is an extra an extra oomph when you're talking about ring chasing, like. Why would you consider living in Buffalo? Well, I want to win a ring and I don't have one. Once you have one, living in that just 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 awful place, and I uh, can you tell I don't like snow? I don't know. Von Miller tried it. Yeah, and then he faked an injury. No, I'm just kidding. He, he actually did get hurt. All right. They don't want car. We can move on. That's terrible, though, that we saw that them calling car is not hot garbage, please. To me, or worse, we end up with Baker Mayfield. That, to me, is the or worse. No, he's cold garbage. I'm just kidding. He's like a he's like the Mardi Gras beads. Like he's everyone wants him when they're on the float, but then they they land on the ground. And it's like no one would ever pick them up. Well, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Is that a good analogy? Does that work? Like if you're picking up Mardi Gras beads off the ground, something's wrong with you. But once when when the guys in, they're, they're holding them up and you're like, give it to me. Nobody else wants. They they're on the ground. Why would you want that? Yeah, that, that once they hit the ground, it's garbage. That's mean. I'm not gonna compare Derek Carr to garbage. Come on. But Jets gang says Saints can't trade up for a QB or pay car. Y'all might end up with Jimmy G or worse. Well, Jimmy's ne- Jimmy G's not worse, I'll at least say. Go away, Jets gang. I'm just kidding. We appreciate you. I don't know why you're here, but thanks for thanks for watching. Got pasty-ish here. It says Jeff slash Steve. Great show as always. Thank you. They want to know what specific scenarios do you feel might lead to DA being let go midseason? It's tough. I mean, like... In order to get, in order to fire your coach midseason, it has to be an untenable situation, right? Because it's not good for anybody. It's not a benefit to to fire your coach midseason and then say like, yeah, everyone who's on the roster, it's a free for all. Like that's not what you want to be in, and that's not a situation that I envision the Saints ending up in under almost any scenario, right? He might get fired at the end of the season if things go really poorly, and like they finish six and eleven if they take a step back. Sure, but I, I really don't think that that DA is going to get fired midseason this season unless like it's anarchy. If the t- he loses the team completely, if players come out and start like bashing him in the media, that sort of thing. And and like I and I say this like very seriously, we were nowhere near that point last season. I did never got a single an indication from anybody that that was even like a thing. 
And like you you look go look at go look at Carolina. Right like like Robbie Anderson was openly feuding with Matt Rule. Like that's how you get fired midseason. The the Broncos went on went on national television and Nickelodeon and got embarrassed on Christmas Day. That's how you get fired. Not by losing a close game to the Patriots, albeit in, I'm sorry, the Bucks, albeit in the most devastating fashion possible. That's not how you get fired. That's how you, that's how you set the stage for like, maybe we make a coaching change at the end of the season. Anyway, I, I do not, I do not think it's likely that, that I think it's very likely that DA makes it through this season. And then based on the results, I think you go from there. Um, but that's kind of my long-winded explanation there. No, I'm 100% on board with you right there because, yeah, my whole thing is you never saw this team quit. You never saw a team that completely gave up in a game. Uh, they were always competitive. And while things were maybe frustrating on some de- decisions were made or some silly penalty kind of thing, it was never like you felt this team did not believe in one another or the coaching staff. And, yeah, it would have to be complete I, I love what you said there anarchy on the sidelines where you, you know they're, they're a two-win team uh players are fighting there's they're at each other's throats kind of deal and you start hearing those whispers of oh Dennis Allen has lost the locker room and that that's a scenario when there could be that mid-season firing but I, I that that's not likely the case and it really never is yeah I mean like coaches get fired for for bad results Coaches don't get fired mid-season unless there is no alternative. Like Cliff Kingsbury, they were ready to fire him probably from like week six, but he made it to the end of the season because just doesn't benefit. Like it's not like you're going to get better as an organization. Like the Panthers did it and like actually managed to be competitive. That's rare. That's that's the exception. That's not the rule. Looks like we're losing Steve here. Uh oh. Your internet's crapping out. Did did your son get home and start playing Call of Duty or something? He did get home. It is three past three thirty now. So <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> Sucking up my Wi-Fi. Yeah. All right. So so that's that's a good indicator that we need to cut this off. I've been doing this for about ninety minutes. You can hit me up on Twitter if you have any other questions. I'll 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 get. I, I try to respond to everybody who asks me questions on Twitter at least once. Sometimes I have to cut it off. Uh, so if you want if you want anything, hit me up at, at Jeff Noak at Jeff, uh, at Jeff underscore Noak. But as always, thanks for everyone for watching and throwing in comments, telling me I have a good Kermit the Frog impression. Uh, you know, that's all. It all means a lot to me. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit the subscribe button either on YouTube or wherever you are listening. It helps us greatly. Leave a rating, leave a review, and uh, listen to us tomorrow on Sports Talk 4 to 8 p.m. WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and always free on the Odyssey app. Yeah, like you were saying, Jeff, you want to get those comments in even to us tomorrow. Please call in the Sports Talk for sure. Yeah, there you go. 504-260-1870. I remember the number. Finally. All right, y'all. Thanks. Peace. Do that.